Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, and Hughes. In this episode, I'm joined by Talat Yacoub and this is a great conversation about the personal being political. Tala is a campaigner, she's a feminist, she's been on this journey for 14 years working in the arena of trying to increase the participation of women and particularly women of colour in political processes and decision making processes and she really speaks so passionately about us moving to a place where we have the ownership of decisions and how they're made and then we then move on to speak about how the first thing we need to do to make this happen is eradicating poverty. It's a really good conversation and I really wish that it could have gone on for hours because I feel there is so much knowledge there that Tala has got. Of course, it's all out there in the world, so you can go and Google that. But I hope that you enjoy this and are as empowered by it as I certainly was. Tala, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great. Tell us a wee bit about you, Tala. So, um, as I said, my name is Tali Kub. I'm a feminist, I'm a campaigner, I'm an independent consultant, and I've been working on doing what I can to create a fairer Scotland for women, particularly women of colour and Muslim women, for about 14 years now. Yeah, great. And we, I've heard you speak before, which is how I got in touch with you to, to come on the podcast. So I am really looking forward to knowing, what do you know for sure? It's really, do you know, it's really interesting when I got your email and I asked, what do I know for sure, despite working for in this for 14 years and despite calling myself feminist for so long, I had to think long and hard about, do I know that for sure? Yeah. And it really made me think about how much women are told to kind of temper down their expertise, mm-hmm. told to, you know, when you ask a question, I'm sorry, but does that make sense? Have I got that right? Et cetera, et cetera. And I started thinking about, about that aspect of it and how to, how to try and fight that myself, even though I've been doing this for so long. And I think the thing I know for sure is that the personal is political. Mm-hmm. I um, we, we've, we've grown up in this, in this space where the two things you don't talk about at the dinner table are religion and politics. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Two of the most personal things that you could possibly think of. Yeah. But they're we're kind of we consider them abstract we don't we we think about that thing that happens somewhere else when we talk about politics Mm -hmm. or that thing that only happens in the parliament we don't think about the fact that actually or we're encouraged not to think about the fact that it's happening in every aspect of our lives and you know this past week where we've looked at We've had to deal with the emotional trauma of women on on social media explaining their experiences of harassment, of sexual assault in the wake of the murder of Sarah Everard. And this week, I've got to be honest, I found this last week really emotionally taxing, right? Mm -hmm. Really difficult, Mm -hmm. you know? And in that time, we've seen women be thrown to the ground by the, the Met Police trying to have a vigil and a peaceful protest and... In that, in all of that, how can the personal not be considered political? Because all of the political ideas around us, all of the generations of largely white men making decisions yeah. that came to the crux of what we saw just last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I often have a lot of these arguments. And they are arguments, right? When it's my family, you can only call them arguments. Yeah. You can't see it's just discussion. <laughs> so you you get in and it's and it's arguments and often one of the things that 
it said to me is, oh, can you not, you need to take a day off. Can you not switch this off? You know, or there'll be a joke about, oh, you've got to leave it in the office, Tala. And you can't leave it in the office. It's everywhere. It's everywhere and it's everything. And I know that makes me a killjoy sometimes. I mean, seriously, I can't even watch like adverts between a show that I'm liking without something being about gender stereotyping and me sighing and noticing it. But that's the one thing, that's the thing that I know. Yeah. That it's it's everywhere and it impacts all of the things, which is why it's so hard to tackle, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm thinking about why it is my niece only wants me to buy her things that have unicorns on them. Don't get me wrong, I love a unicorn, right? Okay. But she says that, oh, I want a unicorn. You can't buy me that. That's a boy's toy uh-huh. or that's a boy's colour. Uh-huh. That's all the way through from misogyny in our media through to rape culture. All of those things are linked and they're linked because of who got to make the decisions and who had, has had the power for the generations before us. And I'd love to take a day off from that. But once you've had that light switched on, yeah. once you notice it, it's really hard to switch it off and take a day off. And sometimes that is really difficult mm-hmm. because you do want to pretend that it doesn't exist so that you can have some space in your head not to notice inequality that's around you all the time. And fundamentally, it's who you are, isn't it? Because I can agree, I can be a killjoy about things because it's, it's and it's not about my work, my day job at all, but it's about this is really important to me and I will stand up against misogyny every single time, <clears throat> even when that's uncomfortable for the folk around me and yeah. even when it means that doors will be closed in my face because I think, well, I don't want to be in a room with you anyway if you're a misogynist. So yeah. I'll, I'll, gladly, I'll gladly offend you now, I'll gladly call you out on this. So does it frustrate you that people almost ask you to take a day off for it? Because you can't take a day off of being talent, can you? No, and I think that's the thing. You know, especially because I do it for a living. There's an idea that you do it in the office. But, but you don't. When when you're fighting racism and sexism, you don't you don't get to just leave it in the office. I also experience it when I'm walking down the street. Like it's yeah. not and so it's part of me. It's 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 who I am, it's my way of thinking, it's my belief system. And so you can't take a day off from it. But sometimes even I want to, because it does, it gets hard. It's it's exhausting because it's there all the time. But it's one of the reasons why the thing that I know is that we need more ownership of the decisions that are made and how the decisions are made. Like the decision-making processes, politics isn't working for us, particularly if you are... Uh, women of colour, a black woman, working class woman, on low pay, Mm -hmm. on a zero hours contract, politics isn't working for you. And it's because it doesn't think about you. Because you are not as important to it. Mm -hmm. Whilst the people that are making the decisions have never experienced even an ounce of what your life is really like. And, and that I definitely know. You've got to change how politics works, who it works for, how it makes its decisions, because it is influencing every part of our lives. You walk down the street, your roads, your green spaces, your parks, your school, your, the tax you're paying, the experience you have at work, all of that, all of it around us is being decided by a really small group of people who don't look like the majority of us, don't think like the majority of us, don't have the experiences of the majority of us. And therefore, 
and and some of it is very well intentioned. There's lots of good politicians out there, but they're also fighting something that has existed within politics for generations. And so until that changes and until there is pathways to participation in politics for everybody to be able to be as equally important in the decision making and to be thought about in the decision making and asked their view and that taken into account politics is going to continue to working to work for the privileged few yeah and particularly when it comes to women particularly women of color that's that's going to work against you so do you have contemplation on how women access because you talked about the women in 50 50 into politics project that you're involved in and that's where i heard you speak i mean it feels like a lifetime ago now it was before pandemic days it was like september october maybe 2019 and the, the scottish parliament and i came with my two sisters but there's the point that in order to access even things like that which was great there's no criticism of that is I had to know about it. So I had to be in a circle where I would see it. I had to register for it on a digital device. I had to get the train from Glasgow to Edinburgh, which is what now? 15, 16, 17 pounds. So it's quite expensive. And so I had to do all of that and then be able to have a whole Saturday in Edinburgh, even though I've got three kids. Do you know, I had to be able to facilitate having a whole day and a Saturday in Edinburgh. So how do we begin? Because it's something that I, I really resonate with. How do we get women to access politics more? How do we get them to access those the, the powers that be, the decision makers? I mean, where do you even start with that, Tala? I completely agree. I completely agree. And this is what happens when what you have is women who are like each other, women who have certain privileges, particularly financial privilege, right? And are able to have that 15, 20 quid to be able to participate, right? A lot of people don't have that. And the people that don't have that are the ones that are the sharpest end of policymaking. So they feel the effects of the decisions being made even more and they're not involved. And I think the, the way in which we need to the, the best way in which we can tackle these things is eradicating poverty, yes. right? That's, that's the first, the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And there is a disproportionate disproportionate impact on for women who are more likely to be in poverty, who are more likely to be working part-time, who are more likely to be working in low-paid, undervalued jobs, yep. which are in even more jeopardy because of the pandemic, yep. right? So unless we start valuing those jobs start giving people secure contracts, start start ensuring um, strong workers' rights, start ensuring that people have basic level of income that allows them to live healthy and safe lives. Then we can go, right, the next step up is to make sure everybody's got participation pathways. Because actually, not having enough food to put on the table not enough having enough money to put food on the table rather or a pay for childcare, or all these things if you're thinking about all of that are you thinking about participating in a women's event in the parliament on saturday exactly no mm-hmm. of course you know so whilst that exists whilst that level of poverty exists it means that lots of people can't participate and so it continues to benefit the people who are already privileged yeah so it's actually in their favour, almost, to keep poverty existing. So the first thing we've got to do is got to tackle poverty, got to create a basic level of income and, and living mm-hmm. so that there is no question 
about how you're going to pay your bills at the end of the month and how you're going to survive so that you actually have the capacity to think about the decisions that are being made for you Uh rather than it being for you. It's got to change to being with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you see as, I suppose, what your intention is with I would imagine your life, Tala, because it's, you know, as we've said, it's not just a job. So what do you see as the the long game? Where do you want to get to in your lifetime? So I'm going to, like, this, without being a downer, and I and I know that it's not going to happen in my lifetime mm. because this is, a, this is a deep generational problem. But I want, I want it to be the case that it becomes so politically inconvenient to forget about women and forget about women in poverty, forget about women of colour, that you could never fathom being successful in politics if you weren't implementing good policy and thinking about those women. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect that, you know, we're going to eradicate, we're going to smash patriarchy, we're going to tackle capitalism, we're going to do all these things in my lifetime. But I want it to be the case that it becomes just non-viable for anybody who wants to be in politics to be able to succeed if they don't put forward policy that's going to benefit women who are the poorest and furthest away from access to power. If we can get there, then we start seeing the change that needs to happen long term. We need need to make it politically inconvenient to not think about those who are furthest away from power. I mean, see, listening to you speak so passionately about, you know, an inverted commas, your job, but it's also who you are. You know, there's a saying that's if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Do you feel really privileged or grateful that you actually get to spend, I'm sure, probably 70 hours a week <laughs> doing a job that actually makes you feel as if you're making a difference in the world? That's actually like completely, you completely behold it, you are it. So I... Yes and no. I The way I describe my job is like a blessing and a curse. Mm. So it's a blessing because I get to work with amazing anti-racist campaigners and feminists across Scotland, across the world. I get to wake up in the morning and I care. I care deeply about what I do, right? And hopefully, I don't know, hopefully I'm making some change and I'll be able to influence something to make Scotland and the world better in my lifetime. Yeah, I hope, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the curse of it is that you that I, I am frustrated on a weekly basis, yeah. frustrated sometimes to the point of tears, just being honest, about the lack of progress or the one step forward, two steps back, which is what we are existing in at the moment. But sometimes if you're lucky for that one step forward, it's just continually two steps back, you know. So and, and then it's also that coming back full circle to that not being able to take a a day off because it's around you all the time so I am hugely privileged but I think when you're doing this kind of work one you can't switch off and you're desperate for it to go faster than it is and you're constantly dealing with sexism and and, and the crap that you get through through different avenues a blessing and a curse but bizarrely I wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) amazing thank you so much for coming on the podcast not at all. Thank you so much. It's, this is a, a really nice opportunity to have a chat like this and just be just honest and candid about what's going on. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching Anne Hughes Ignite. 
If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching Anne Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, annehughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.